Okay, we're going to begin this next story. It's called Rabbit Farming at Northcote. It's part of It's a Room Life Book 4, Northcote 1984-1998. to The Concept During the final months living at Ivy House, New Bolingbroke, I had to devise some means of earning an income for our family to live on. Ruth was by now working for a nursing bank company, which ended in her taking all sorts of jobs wherever in the county she was needed. Spilsby's Grace Swan Hospital was undergoing major changes. After we had finally decided to buy the Northcote property at Great Steeping, it would give me food for thought regarding making best use of what we would eventually end up with. It needed to be something intensive and capable of providing sufficient income for us all. I eventually turned to rabbits. Now, care of breeding rabbits is not as straightforward as you'd imagine. And I ended reading all the books on the subject. In 1983, it was a long time before computers and the internet. I found that actually breeding rabbits needed to be in a controlled environment, fan ventilated and insulated. In fact, the old buildings on the site across the field from the house at Northcote had good potential for this. Then I had to look at how many and how to house them. Rabbit breeding needs careful planned programmes to ensure they produce when you need them to. Paperwork was going to be very important. Breeding records were going to be essential. The ratio of buck rabbits to does seemed to be about 10 to 1, and this was to control how I planned the accommodation. Lots of rabbits produce lots of rabbit droppings, and urine too. If cleaning of the buildings was to be staged, then the ventilation system had to be good, not just for the rabbits, but for me too, as I would be working in the buildings with them most of the time. I found a commercial ventilation company, Whalers of Rugby, about 25 miles away, and was able to buy a number of second-hand fans, which would be linked to a new control system working on temperature. Planning the operation. Once we had actually moved, I was able to begin getting buildings ready to install the insulation and the fans. Heating would not be necessary as lots of furry bodies living together would create their own heat. Then I had to think about the little rabbits. Rabbits breed quite quickly and very soon I would have literally hundreds of small furry creatures that needed extra care. I converted three of the large 30 foot long demountable container boxes that we had left over from ECYB and because they were on their own the legs, planned the wiener accommodation to be all above ground. Getting in and out of these boxes with crates of rabbits was going to be the biggest obstacle. Once again, these were all automatically fan-ventilated by temperature control. Each of these boxes was designed to hold between four and 500 young rabbits. When they were full, I had over 1,500 young stock of various ages. Selling rabbits for meat is seasonal, would you believe? So I needed to have lots of rabbits for sale in the winter and not so many in the summer. 
How on earth do you plan this, you might ask? Health. Good feed and automatic, constant, clean water supplies and cleanliness were all major considerations. I would feed by hand and thereby was able to monitor the health and well-being of each and every rabbit twice daily. I might add that in the almost three years that I was engaged in rabbit farming, I never ever had one sick rabbit. This I consider a major achievement. Not that I can say the same for myself. I was just entering the second year of the enterprise, I suffered a heart attack. It happened one night quite unexpectedly. Severe pain down left arm and incredible pain in the chest. A a huge, angry, hot orange was doing its best to burst its way out of my insides. All I could do was lie still on the bed, sweat pouring off me, and yet I was icy cold. Ruth wanted to call for help, but I persuaded her that I could survive, and if I were to be carted away, what would happen to those hundreds of rabbits that depended on my twice-daily care? I did survive, obviously, but come the morning, I was as weak as the proverbial kitten. I managed to crawl out of bed at 6am, fed the horse if we had at that time, and then began to walk across the field to the rabbits. It took me 30 minutes to cross the field that first time. I clung on to each and every fence post and the wire in between. Once in the feed store, which had been a piggery before our time and was destined to be a tea room for the new visitor centre far into the future, I sat and rested for another 30 minutes. I found that I spent this time morning and evening sieving the rabbit feed, much of which was very dusty at this time. The rabbit feed hoppers were quite small and it would not do to have them get contaminated with dust. The feed came from two different places, Bennett's Mill at Holbeach in the south of the county and Lindsay and Holland Traders at New Leek. Lindsay and Holland were the last place I'd worked as a driver, making bulk and bagged animal feed deliveries for them throughout central Lincolnshire. Both these firms produced similar products for rabbits, but because rabbit breeding in the county was still a very small enterprise, volume feed was rather limited. Every day there would be need to move little rabbits around once they could leave their mother. Nothing was too heavy, so I coped with just doing everything very slowly and taking frequent rests. There was no real heavy shoveling as the dough buildings were on ground level and needed cleaning of droppings once every three weeks or so. The weenie buildings were so high off the ground I never did have to clean them in two years. It took me six months of very slow work to gradually overcome the tiredness. I never had any more of that intense pain, but I could not take deep breaths and fill my lungs completely for almost two years. Looking back at the beginning, I've not mentioned John Brooks, who was the lorry driver at John H. Rundle's who went off ill. If you remember from previous stories, I took John's job just while he was off sick. He was receiving chemotherapy for cancer and had good days and not so good. 
He also had days when he was very bored and asked me if he could help me get the sheds ready for the rabbits. John ended up making virtually all the cages I needed for the doe rabbits and by the time he was ready to go back to work the rabbit enterprise was almost ready to start. So now we have covered the breeding of the rabbits and producing young stock for growing on. Marketing and actually making a profit at the end of the day was a major part of the operation. Rabbit breeding was a hit and miss business right up the line from my level where we produced the rabbits themselves right up to the firms who bought good fully grown rabbits and sold the meat. I started by supplying a local meat processor in Boston who also handled game of all kinds. Purchase prices were not reliable and fluctuated week on week. This was no good for us when we had fairly large feed bills to pay and other general everyday expenses. Then a meat company from the west of England travelled to our area weekly and bought from local suppliers like ourselves. Their prices were better, but it was an uphill battle to make ends meet. Finally, the largest local breeder in our area decided to create a processing plant just outside Spilsby, and he paid a fair price. At long last, we had a steady, reliable income, but still the bugbear existed of low demand in summer and high demand in winter. During this time, we had a student from France where rabbit breeding for meat was a much larger industry. This was the young chap from near Dijon who only stayed 10 hours or so. He arrived on the evening before our famous Spilsby Cub outing to the Royal Tournament in London. When he realised he had the chance to get part way home, he would not stay. We are not that bad to get along with and his tutor in France was an English lady married to a Frenchman. She'd been to see us the year before with a view to students coming on a regular basis. This chap was the first. I showed him the installations the evening he arrived after a 24-hour journey, but he just could not settle. All the adults on the bus going down to London the next day tried their best to persuade him to stay also, but I eventually ended up dropping him off near Lord's Cricket Ground and putting him into a taxi for Victoria Station. Circumstances were to change soon anyway and we never had any more rabbit students from France. Four years or so later we did have Nicholas and he stayed over two weeks but that is another story. Around Easter 1986 Ruth and I were enjoying lunch together, a very unusual event, when we had a visit from the Eastern Group Editor of the Lincolnshire Standard Group of Newspapers, the company where I had first started my employment after Boston Grammar School. Digby Scott offered me a six-month contract to write and take photographs for a new weekly free newspaper in Skegness. The Skegness Standard had run a midweek paper in the town for many, many years and recently stopped it. This had allowed a rival company to start up their own weekly and it was beginning to take business away from the Standard. I could write what I wished, within reason. The actual standard editor, Nigel West, would keep an eye on what I produced. I just had to make it interesting and get people to like it. 
I should mention here that for many years photography had been my principal hobby. I could take good photographs. I also had a good quality 35mm SLR camera. I would have to develop and print my own black and white film to a deadline too. A little extra income could be expected from reprints of my photos published in the paper. I accepted the job with alacrity as it gave me a guaranteed income for the next six months. By great good fortune, our neighbours just round the corner from Northcote were looking for a way to boost their existing roadside cafe business and came to offer to buy all the rabbits and all their gear. They had old brick air raid shelters on their property, even closer to the old Spilsby airfield than ourselves. A deal was struck and I spent the next two weeks moving the rabbits in their entirety next door. I suppose it was the virtually virtual guarantee of being able to sell all their production for good prices to that local processor that persuaded them it was a good thing. For me, the chance to get back into newspapers, my first love, was a dream. So, another change in career. This was to be my sixth, and still being self-employed, I was still in charge of my destiny. There we are, that's the end of that little story, brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. Now we have a different ending to all our stories. Uh, Since Covid, all our publications are free to access. There's no shop anymore. There are virtually 200 of these audio stories. There are almost 100 videos and there are eight complete page-turning books. All can be downloaded from the internet onto any device you choose and you can look at them and read them when you like, where you like. You can find them all on our website. It's www.itsarumlife.com That's I-T-S-A-R-U-M-L-I-F-E No spaces. .com itsarumlife.com do have a look there's lots to see and hours of entertaining thank you for listening